Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of The Blush Network and the author of Appointed. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, this is Autumn with The Autumn Miles Show. Man, I love y'all so much. It's been such a great morning. Um, I got up early this morning, felt God pulled me out of bed and, um, went outside. I, I, you know, during the summertime in Dallas, Texas, you know, it's 317 degrees. And so we don't go outside. At least I don't. Maybe Dan does to enjoy the heat, but, um, I, I don't ever go outside. And this morning it was almost like the Lord was saying, get up. And I want you, rather than sit inside, I want you to come outside. And um, saw, and I, you know, I'm not trying to be like whatever, super spiritual or whatever, but God just really ministered to me this morning through his creation and um, how he, yet again, his faithfulness, the sun came up and it was one of those sunsets that you're like, am I in Hawaii? No, I'm not. I'm in Dallas, Texas. You know, um, it was just, it was just an incredible representation of the power of God that is at work, rather, whether we, um, we're, we sense it, see it, believe it or not, it is at work regardless. And I want to encourage you guys today, um, just right off the bat, uh, as we move into this, what I believe is going to be a very powerful show. Um, God is at work, whether you see it, whether you believe it, whether you can sense his presence or not, he is at work. He is working. Um, even as we speak on your situation in your life for you, he is um, your advocate. He is um, he is the leader that is leading your life, sometimes even if we can't sense it. So I want to encourage you with that today. I have got such a precious. Now, now y'all, the shows that we have this week have been uh, are, will be very precious to me. These are these are family members of mine. Um, we've been uh, rolling together for a while now. Each each one differs, but uh, today on my show, I have a precious woman. Her name is Nicole Williamson, and we have devoted um, the next couple of weeks to talk about Rahab. Um, y'all know my book is coming up. We've been very, hopefully, loud about it. Um, y'all can pre-order it now. I am Rahab, anywhere books are sold. But um, one thing that I think is important is sometimes we look at Rahab and we think, oh, okay, she was a harlot. And... Um, we will immediately discount ourselves because she was a prostitute. And, and I make the point in the very first chapter of the book, um, Rahab's story is for all of us, men, women, children. Um, and you'll have to get the book to find out why. But we have a precious woman today, Nicole, and she is going to tell us her Rahab story, what drew her to Rahab. And um, she's going to encourage us along the way. So let me welcome my precious, precious family member from Facebook, Nicole Williamson, to the show. How are you, Nicole? I am good. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. And we have so many guests on the show. But there's something special about being with my Facebook family and my Instagram family. I love y'all so much. We... um, we pray for you guys all the time, and um, it's so good to have one of you on my show. It's amazing. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So, Nicole, I um, I have I, I have been briefed and have read uh, your 
I am Rahab story. And so if you could just for um, for all of us to kind of dig into why Rahab is special to you, take me take me through. You've had a couple of really large trials um, that I think a lot of us can relate to. So whatever you want to say, take me through your story. First of all, I came from a broken home. So I was always trying to validate myself through other people because I think when you go through those circumstances, especially as women, we internalize it and we think it's our fault when really it wasn't, didn't have anything to do with us. But because of that, I um, was promiscuous as a Mm. teenager. I looked for love in all the wrong places. And in that, I, I, you know, because of that lifestyle, I wasn't able to give my husband that that first fruit of mine. Mm. Um, so we struggled with infertility um, for 15 years. Mm. Um, and, of course, I questioned, you know, God, is this because of what I did? Is this because of my lifestyle? Um, what did I do to deserve it? You know, when everybody around you is having babies and... Mm. You just, you know, you can't do it. And people are like, oh, it'll happen. You know, I don't want to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) That's real life. I mean, just just being real. I mean, finally you look at people and say, I I don't want to hear that. That's, that's not, that's not helping me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we started going to church together. My husband didn't really grow up in church. He knew Jesus, but he didn't grow up in church. And my father's a pastor, so we started going to his church. And within two or three years, God gave me a vision of a little girl. Mm. She had blonde hair. She had blue eyes. And I, I used to journal everything down so that I could remember it. And I was like, you know, are you trying to tell me that I'm pregnant now? You know, every time, every month, you know that goes by you it's a rise and fall and a roller coaster of emotions and so I wrote this down and I and I hung on to it and I could see her face you know it it was it was amazing it was like I was telling me it's gonna happen oh my goodness and years passed and there's nothing and I'm like mm. where are you God you know where are you yeah and so I was praying in the spirit and he gives me a vision of a little boy I write this down. Yes. And he's blue eyes, brown hair. And I'm like, okay, so maybe I'm going to have two kids, but where yet? When's this going to happen? You know? (laughs) And we struggle. We went through testing. We, you know, we decided to wait on the Lord. And my dad told me one day, he said, you know, sometimes it's not just, not just in the waiting, but you also have to do your part. Mm. You do everything you can do in the natural, and he will do the supernatural. Mm. So my husband and I prayed. You know, we're, you know, just middle-income family, you know, and we were like, you know, IVF is so expensive, and, um, you know, how can we ever afford something like that? Mm. So we took the first step, and we thought, we'll just we'll just walk this out and see, see where it leads. Um, we have our first consultation, and they start telling us about the money, and my husband looks at me, and he says, we can do this. It's just going to take one try. Mm-hmm. I, I just know it. We don't, we don't need to pay for to do it two or three times. It's going to happen on the first try. I just know it. And I'm like, mm. 
Are you sure? <laughs> you know, this is this is a big deal. Are you really sure? So, you know, we we sat down, we started looking at the money, and I'm like, okay, so I don't. We have to have so much up front, and we're praying, and you know, I just felt like God told me to look at my retirement, and then you think, oh, retirement? <laughs> I'm not dumping my retirement. You know, yeah. what am I gonna live on when I, you know, 40 years from now? That's real. And That's real. I I looked in there and. To the penny. Oh, my It was goodness. what I needed. Oh, my goodness. To the penny. And I thought, okay. Wow. Okay, God, this this is you. I'm, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so we, we took the money out, and we made our payment, and we started going through the process. <laughs> First try. I mean, the emotional roller coaster itself is just crazy. But yeah. God knew. I mean, I was 37 years old when I had my twins. Mm. And people that would pray over me would say, oh, it's like Rachel and Leah. You know, you'll be like Sarah, you know. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be 50 and have a child. I can't <laughs> keep up with them. Right. But he was so faithful, and he mm. kept reminding me of those visions. You know, mm. go back and read this. You know, I'm not, I won't go back on my word. Yeah. It does not return void. Stick, mm. you know, it was just, it was just an amazing journey. Mm. Wow. Okay, I'm obsessed with you, Nicole. Um, you said you just resonate so clearly with my heart. Um, with you know, God doesn't lie to us. He's not. He's not mean. He's not mean. When he gives us something, when he shows us something, when he tells us something, it's ours to catch and believe and sink our faith into. And um. So that that is incredible. I love it's so interesting. I love the fact that God gave you a vision and um of what your children look like because um my story a little bit is similar um in this. I wanted to adopt since I was 18 and just adopted in 2015 and you know, I was 18 a lot of years ago. And um God gave my husband a vision of what our child was going to look like. And um, he would describe her to me before we ever saw her. And it was the same idea. I don't know that God gave me a vision. I just kind of knew. It wasn't like a vision. I just knew what she was going to look mm-hmm. like. And they matched. And, of course, that's our little haven. Um, so that is incredible how God does that. So take take me through the process of pregnancy and, and all of that. I, I assume it worked on the first time, right? It did. You know, you people that struggle with infertility from years, you know, your prayer is always, I just want to get pregnant. I just want to get pregnant. And you don't think past just that initial getting pregnant. It's mm. just that's what it's all about. Um, so our first ultrasound that we went to, because they do everything so much earlier than in a normal pregnancy. Um, they thought, well, there's just one sack in there. Um, so, but, you know, when you come back next week, it might be two. And, of course, I was the overachiever and wanted to do three. And they were like, <laughs> no, let's just stick with two on the first round. And we're like, okay. So when we went back the second time, the very next week, they were like, there's twins. Oh, my goodness. And, wow. I mean, we were just... We were ecstatic. Oh, wow. I mean, and then my mind's thinking, I'm going to be huge. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to be so huge. But it doesn't matter because they'll be here and all is well. Yeah. I love it. Probably love it. 
about 18 to 20 weeks, um, we found out what we were having. Of course, we knew because God had showed us That's right. a girl and a boy. So we knew going in, and the ultrasound tech is like, well, let's see what they're going to be. And we're like, let me tell you what they're going to be. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Oh, she man. said, oh, my goodness, you're right. So <laughs> a few weeks later, being high-risk pregnancy because of my age and because it's twins, we went in and um, they, the doctor was like, you know, your um, cervix is beginning to shorten. Mm. Um, we need to start talking about bed rest. Mm. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> what? <laughs> you, you know, this, this can't be happening. And so we went to um, a different specialist just to verify, and we went back in a couple of weeks, and he was like, yeah, you know, it looks like we're going to have to put you on bed rest. And he said, I really want to be... Um, stern with you here. He said, your twins have a 40% chance of surviving. What? Oh, my goodness. At 20 weeks? Yes. Oh, no. That's my husband and I were just completely broken. Oh, my goodness. Because in the moment, I mean, Mm. God was the furthest thing from our minds right now. We're just, what? You know, we're just in shock. And he said, yeah, I'm going to put you on bed rest. And I'm thinking, you know, of course, I have to do what I have to do for my babies, but then I think about, what am I going to do with work, you know? <laughs> right. Um, I was blessed, but my work let me work from home. I laid on the sofa. I was able to work, and every week I had to go in for an ultrasound just to see, and at 30 weeks, my water broke. Oh, wow. And they admitted me to the hospital and prepped me for labor. No, that wasn't at 30 weeks. That was 28 weeks. Sorry, 28 weeks. Oh, my. Um, They were like, well, I don't know that they're ready yet, so we're going to watch you. So for two weeks, I was in the hospital. After your water had broken? Yes. Because I laid there for two weeks. Typically, they deliver, right? Am I right here? Like 24 hours after they try to get the baby out? Is that right? They do. And they kept doing ultrasounds and monitoring and... Finally, they were like, I think maybe it's sealed back up. You know, sometimes it'll happen. And we're like, okay, God, week by week, day by day, hour by hour. Mm. You know, we've we've done our part. Now, you just, you know, the faith that we had to have to know that they were going to be okay. Mm. And then at 30 weeks, my water really, really broke. It was a leak in um, my son's sack. Mm. And at 30 weeks, everything just busted, and we went into, um, had to have emergency C-section. They started prepping me, and they were like, you may want to call your family. We don't know how this is going to work out. You know, you'll have four doctors for each baby, then you'll have your doctors. And we were like, okay, so what? what's our timeline? And they're like, we'll be in the OR in 30 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, but God was so amazing. Because mm. even in that crisis, we both knew mm. without a doubt that they would survive. Amen. Wow. We just knew. Mm. And Mike looked at me, my husband, and he's like, they're fine. Let, let's go. But we, we've, you know, God's got this. And we brought them home. They stayed in the hospital. One was um, in the NICU for seven weeks, and one was in the NICU for six weeks. So they came home at different times. Hmm. But God was so faithful. 
And he was so faithful. So let me ask you this. Does your little girl have blonde hair and blue eyes and your little boy have blue eyes and brown hair? They do. <laughs> they That's do. Amazing. I love this. You know what, Nicole? Your story is so precious. And um, we have family friends that struggled with infertility for 10 years and they did in vitro and they had twins a boy and a girl. And I'm telling you what, we prayed those babies here. Oh my goodness. They're yes. like my, my little spiritual God children. Uh, you know, uh, it's amazing how the weight um, can take of something that you desire so much can take such a toll on you. But the beautiful thing about God is that he gives you a promise. He's not mean. He doesn't play around with your emotions, although at times it might feel like he is. He always comes through. He always comes through in his way, in his um, in his wisdom, in his sovereignty, in his providence. And um, it reminds me of the story of Rahab. Um, I I think I said at the beginning of the show uh, that this whole your whole story reminds me of the chapter in my book called I Am On Time. And this is what I kind of um, was thinking as I was listening to your story. And and I had, of course, previewed your story before you came on. Um, Rahab hid the spies and then the spies told her, hey, listen, our life for yours. We will we will you will be saved when Israel comes back to defeat Jericho. Our, Our life for yours. And they gave her a pledge. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of the promises that God gives us, like what the spies gave Rahab. And he, they, they told her, you know, you got you got to be in your house. OK, you got to keep this scarlet cord hanging down. Um, but we'll be back. And the interesting thing about that is that when they when the spies left, they didn't tell her how long they were going to be gone. It doesn't at least it's not documented. They didn't tell her that they had to, you know, go, go back and travel back. They didn't tell her what, how, how, where it doesn't appear that they told her where the Israelite camp was. Then what had to happen before Rahab saw any sign of her promise coming, they had all the men had to be circumcised and then they had to cross the Jordan and then they had to go back and put memorial stones. They had to put memorial stones in the Jordan. And then the, um, the Joshua led the Israelites to march around the city. And it's very interesting to me how um, he led the Israelites to march around the city. And so they marched around the first day. And I'm no doubt, no doubt Rahab saw the Israelites coming. And she... Um, got excited when she saw the Israelites coming. She, she, I'm sure it thrilled her heart. Listen, my promise is coming. My deliverance is coming. The, uh, the, the answer I've been waiting for is coming. And then they leave (laughs) without even, Hey, guess what? Rahab will be back. Like peace out. You know, they didn't text her and tell her, Hey, you know, so sorry about this. You know, there was, there is no, communication that is um that that is in in the pages of God's word about her they just left and then they came back again and left and came back again and left and again six times and it wasn't until the seventh time 
that she actually got her promise. And I think sometimes that's what God does with our promises. He'll let us know via a promise from his word, a vision from his spirit, whatever it is. Hey, listen, um, this is going to happen. And then there is a delay and we can either give in to the um, discouragement of the delay or we can stand on the promise that he actually gives us. And Rahab did that and you did that as well. And look at what God did. He he yes. he gave you your promise. So talk to me about how Rahab specifically with you has encouraged your story. What I what I admire about her is she was just obedient. She just had that knowing in her spirit. Mm. You know that you are who you say you are and I just know I need to protect these men because I know in my spirit mm. that this is what you want me to do. I mean, that's risky. Yeah. I yeah. mean, she just, she was just sold out to God for that mission. Mm. And I mean, just in just life in general, if we could just come to that place of obedience and submission mm. And just do what it is God wants us to do and stop questioning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, inter- it's also interesting to me as I studied her life. Um, you know, she wasn't raised in religion. Um, she, she was, she was raised in religion. It was just pagan religion. Yes. Um, she was, a, you know, an idol worshiper, everything horrible that, you know, I would say the Christian world would be against. She was raised in. So she didn't know the cultural, um, religious side of the Israelites. She didn't know. And it's interesting because she didn't have that sort of education. She simply trusted. Yes. And I think sometimes in our lives, we can get to a point where, um, we don't simply trust because we rely on maybe what religion has taught us. And I think that's just such a beautiful reason and maybe even explanation why it was so easy for her to trust because she wasn't inundated with all of the human rules. She was simply trusting the Lord, which is exactly what you did um, in your story with your incredible children. What are your what are your children's names, Nicole? Kylie and Canaan. Oh my goodness, that is so precious. And are they in preschool? They are. They actually go to a Christian school about a half a mile from where I work, and we love it. I love it. That's so amazing. So tell me, we just have a little bit of time left. What would you tell that woman um, that may be struggling with infertility today and that is listening? We get a lot, a lot of people that follow along um, are, of course, women and um, and they struggle in this area. You know, it's it's one that is so incredibly difficult. What would you tell them about waiting on the Lord just like Rahab did and um, just the timing of things. Give, give them some encouragement. Um, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, his, and he tells us in his word, ask and you shall receive. Give mm-hmm. and it shall be given. I think you you just have to ask him. Mm. You have to 
find the time to get alone with him and say, if this is your will for me, show me. Mm. Give me a scripture. Mm. Give me a vision. Give me something I can hang on to. If this is not your will for me, let me know. Mm. Because sometimes he does tell us no. That's true. That's true. And I think when he gives it to you, hang on to it with everything you've got. (laughs) Pray over it. Have your family and friends pray over it. And just, just cling to it. Yeah. Girl, I love you. You are right in line with my heart. I teach this principle called scriptural confirmation. Um, and it's it's crazy. Every promise that I believe that God has given me, um, I will. God will also give me, in, in his own way, a scripture to confirm that that is, in fact, what he is saying. And I have one for all four of my babies. I have one for ministry. I have one for marrying my husband. <laughs> I have them for for all of them. And it's just such a relief when God backs up what he says with scripture and you can cling to it. And every one of those things that I've dated in my Bible has come to pass. And um, man, it's it's been so amazing having you on the show today, Nicole. Thank you so much for lending us your story and trusting us with this. We with it. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, God bless you. God bless you so much. And God bless you, everyone who is listening. Listen, you can pre-order I Am Rahab right now anywhere books are sold. I know a lot of people have been pre-ordering. Pre-ordering is kind of the thing to do today, I've noticed. Um, But go pick up your copy and, um, you know, we will be so grateful for it. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you. And I'll see you tomorrow right back here on The Automile Show. Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on The Word, 100.7 FM.